1: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs>
0: it's probably like getting great ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays.
1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. The guy fist-pumping on the other side of the Zoom screen meeting thing is Greg Smith wearing his his Peloton half zip. Greg, hello. How are you?
0: Hi, hi. I am very well. Um, Yeah, this is far from the only Peloton half zip or jacket or hoodie that I have. Uh, I'm I'm fully into the cold now. Fully
1: in. Do you and Aaron still talk about Peloton when you get together? Like, is that still like one of the first things that comes up when you get together?
0: Um, no, not one of the first things. It, it's kind of tapered off a little bit here. Um, but I suspect it'll pick up uh, <laughs> in a little bit.
1: It was always funny. Um, we are here today to talk about the college football playoff, not about Greg's uh workout habits, which by the way have been excellent. You're looking good. You. Um, we're here today to talk about the college football playoff. It's not going to be expanding anytime soon. News came out. Uh, this past week or the, the week prior the weekend prior um, that the 11 FPS commissioners could not come to a consensus. They could not put aside pettiness and eight people voted for an expanded college football playoff. And three people did not the three people being the big tens, Kevin Warren, the ACC's Jim Phillips and the PAC 12's George Klee of Kauf. the PAC 12, what? Why would you vote again? Okay, we'll get into it. Um, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's going on with the Alliance. We're going to talk a lot about Kevin Warren uh, because I got thoughts and and I presume that, that Greg, you've got some thoughts on Kevin Warren. Um, But first, first, I have a hypothetical for you that I have been thinking a lot about as the goat and I kind of roll through uh, the MCU in timeline order. We get kind of this itch to just watch everything in timeline order. And this is not the first time we've done it, but we're doing it again. And we watched Thor Ragnarok last night. I petitioned that we skip Ant-Man and the Wasp so we can go right into Infinity War. So we are at the doorstep of Infinity War. So my question for you, Greg, because this is something that I've been thinking about one movie Gets erased from existence, never happened. It, it doesn't exist anymore. The other one can stay. You got to pick between one of these two movies.
0: Okay.
1: The first one being Infinity War, the second one being The Dark Knight.
0: Oh, man. Um, and, the da- and Dark Knight is Joker. It's Dark Knight Rises with Bane. Yeah, dark, um, The
1: Dark Knight was, was, um, was Heath Ledger Joker like the greatest comic book movie ever made and like one of the five best movies ever.
0: But an infinity war is the other man. That's, that's really tough. I think I'm going to have to eliminate infinity war on the back of, I do think that that Joker performance was so great and that, that movie is just so good. Um, even talking about it right now, like makes me just want to watch it this afternoon. Um, so I, I think we're, we're going to have to go. Sorry, sorry, Avengers, you're going to have to go. The
1: interrogation scene um, in the Dark Knight yeah. is like,
0: even like that, it's the, just the opening, the opening scene um it is so good the one where he comes to the when joker comes to the party and ultimately throws maggie jill all off the building um th- that scene that man yeah there's just so many classics in that movie
1: yeah um i i asked alex this question and she said well it would have to be the dark knight because if you get rid of infinity war then none of the stuff that comes after it happens and i was like that kind of makes this an unfair question because you're right yeah but I kind of still feel like it has to be Infinity War because I don't know if I can live my life without the Dark Knight. That movie was 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 life altering.
0: Yeah, it was so good. But on the on, on an side, I know you did not plan to go into this, but have you been watching the latest kind of like the TV shows or the new movie releases um, from MCU, like whatever phase this is that they're in? Oh, yeah oh yeah okay so one we're thing on quickly and this is not okay and we're not i don't know if we have watched all of it and we, we actually when we were on vacation we watched um the eternals i believe it was uh, which i actually like um pretty good I, I, the one thing that i want to say though and i have to say this is somebody and you're the appropriate person to say this too because he watched them all is i really like that they've decided to in these new movies like, actually lean into the other stuff happening, right? And so that there's all these little references to, you know, the snap or, like, other various things that have happened. Um, And I think that that is, like, really smart and makes a ton of sense for what they're doing.
1: Yeah, one of the cool things that I think they've done is they have allowed, like, these other storylines and characters to breathe without, like, this kind of, like, overbearing, we have to advance the larger MCU plot like I, like, like Shang-Chi was like a, one of my five favorite MCU movies. I thought that
0: was great. Yeah. So that, that was totally caught off guard surprised by how much I liked that. And they
1: just allowed his story to develop without being like, well, how does this further the larger MCU plot until the very end in the end credit scene, which I thought was really good. Um, yeah. I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, if we, if we snap infinity war, you know, we don't get any of this stuff. But it's tough. It's tough, man. I still got to do it because I still think that The Dark Knight is the greatest comic book movie ever made. So that's enough comic book talk. Brandon Vogel's ears are bleeding. <laughs> Let's switch to the college football playoffs. So I teased this in, in the beginning. It's not expanding. It will sit at four teams through the 2025 season. That's the original 12-year deal when it expires. Um, there were, I think, six like most agreed upon models that the 11 Pac-12 commissioners or the Pac-12, the 11 commissioners were discussing. Four of them, I believe, were 12-team models and then two were eight-team models. Things, if you if you um, put a, a ton of stock into what Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said, no one was close. One of the the things that's been reported is that Bowlesby said after, uh, the College Football playoffs announcement a week ago that they did not get close and they haven't been close. And there's a lot of frustration with specific commissioners about that fact, specifically Bowlesby, who seemingly talks after every meeting that the CFP uh, management committee, board of managers, whatever, all the, the committee names, he, he talks every single time. And it's always like, it's always like the very disappointed uncle or the very disappointed grandpa. That's like, I just, we just need to be able to get this crap figured out. Um, But Kevin Warren, Jim Phillips and George Kleikoff in the PAC 12 voted against expansion. So they're tabling it until it's time to start discussing what the next contract is going to look like, which means we're going to not talk about this until 2024 probably at the earliest when they have to start you know picking up negotiations again so that they can be in place by 2025 um we're sitting at four through the 25 season we're not going to get it expanded ahead of the 2026 season are you surprised by that greg are you angered by that are you like it is what it is or are you not surprised
0: I, I am I am both surprised and kind of angered by this um, because, one, I'm, I'm a proponent of actually changing this model. Um, I would like for them to, uh, I'd like for them to go up, just go to 12 and, and part because I, I get there are people that really like eight. But I think eventually they're going to get to 12 anyway, just rip the bandaid off, go all the way there. I am also frustrated because I don't understand why they're still talking about so many different models. And I think that if, if one, if we've learned one thing throughout kind of the last couple of years of different stuff with college football commissioners is that it's really hard, it seems like, to get them to agree on anything. And so if you if you're putting something in front of them that has so many different variables, I think that that's how you end up in the situation where you are now, where you can't agree on anything because you can't even pick which model it is that we're truly voting on, right? Like, I think that that just inherently creates confusion. I don't understand the let's table it to what the earliest, possibly 2024, when we have to renegotiate um, the contract, because now we're not only we're going to add more chaos into this we're not only going to be negotiating with each other about what it is if you're the commissioners what it is that we're going to do moving forward how many teams what the structure is etc but we're also going to be negotiating the act the contract and all that like it's just too much stuff um i also am just stunned that the pac-12 commissioner voted against this entirely I, i Because you got to be looking out for the best interest of your conference Um, and it should be definitely in the best interest of the conference of the Pac-12 to expand because it gives them a better chance to get in. I, I just don't, there's a lot of confusion here to me. Um, and as a, just a fan of the sport, I'm upset that we're not going to get um, expansion because I think that expansion is the best way to me to be able to get like and parity is probably too strong, but at least have a chance at some other teams rising up and being able um, to play for a national championship.
1: Yeah, I think there was some optimism after the way the College football playoff selection committee placed this most recent field we got two of the four teams that we got in were teams making their college football playoff debut and so as we kind of move into next season there's a lot of talk of well who's the next team that's going to make its first appearance well what about like this pac 12 team what about potentially baylor in the in the big 12 what about maybe you know there's a lot of buzz about miami um you know what about one of these teams i've seen people talk about houston um and there's I, there's a lot of optimism now, and I and I understand that to a sense, but you know we still got an SEC SEC national championship game. Um, those teams are still going to be the best teams in the country. I don't necessarily think going to eight or twelve teams immediately is going to immediately change that. I think it will later but not immediately. So what you're really talking about is like, what's best for the sport and what's best for the fan engagement in the sport, interaction in the sport, which ultimately, you know, leads back to what's best for our pocketbooks. And so in that sense, there was no one who wasn't excited, ecstatic, thrilled about the prospects of first round playoff games on college campuses. Right. Right. It was universally that one be one of the
0: loved. Best parts about it, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was universally loved. So, why could they not get that done? Like that is that is a big big win in the immediate present, and they couldn't get it done. And what it comes down to, to me, is it just feels like pettiness on a part of the big time. And you asked why did the Pac-12 vote against expansion? Everybody else is asking that. Why did the ACC vote against expansion? It helps the ACC. The only two conferences that could care less about expansion would be the Big Ten and the SEC. And the SEC's made that clear. Greg Sankey's been like, "We're fine sitting at four. I don't care. Like, we got two teams in of the four this year. We played for the national champion. We guaranteed the national championship after the first round. We don't care. We're fine sitting at four. The Big Ten is." Getting towards that place, there was a report last week or the week before um, from both front office sports and uh, the Sports Business Journal that the next TV contract the Big Ten negotiates, I think 23, could exceed a billion dollars in value because of the bidding war that's coming between um, CBS was mentioned, NBC was mentioned, Fox, and then Disney the Big 10 is going to be flush with cash and it's going to get a lot closer to the SEC in terms of the way that it operates from a football standpoint and and much, much farther away from the Big 12, the ACC and the Pac-12 and then everybody else. So knowing that that's coming down the pipeline, I don't understand why the ACC and the Pac-12 are so insistent on working with the Big 10 because this whole process has illustrated clearly The Big Ten is not interested in working with the ACC or the Pac-12. We have this, quote-unquote, the alliance that didn't have any kind of contract. They just looked each other in the eyes and agreed. It was a handshake agreement. They agreed to work together with the carrot at the end of the stick being non-conference games. And now here we are in February, almost March, and we have gotten from the Pac-12 commissioner – a message that they are ready to immediately drop down to eight conference games from nine, if the big 10 will do the same. And that was said in December. Now, here we are two and a half months later, Kevin Warren hasn't addressed the subject to my knowledge. Maybe he has privately, but I don't think he has publicly. And the de facto big 10 commissioner, Ohio state athletic director, Gene Smith came out last week and said, the big 10 would sooner walk away from the Alliance than go down from nine conference games to eight conference games so it's that's a clear message of we don't care about working with you so what happened with playoff expansion talk really just feels like the the, the acc and the pac-12 voted with the big 10 in a voting block to just stay in favor or the good graces of the big 10 which doesn't make any sense
0: it, no, it, For a number of reasons, it doesn't make any sense, but it really doesn't because the ACC and the Pac-12, and I know that they would not want to hear this, and I've actually gotten into it with people um, on Twitter about this um, for a couple of years now, like those conferences are not the Big Ten. And I think that the sooner that they realize that we need to start operating in our best interest and like sever whatever like relationship it is that we're trying to have with the Big Ten, the better. And it's that sounds bad for the Big Ten as well, because it's almost like you're treating them like you have to treat like most people treat the SEC, which you kind of they're off on their own thing. And we understand that they're kind of the top dogs in the sport. Um, And so that comes with some different issues. But you're just going to have to get over that if you're in the other conferences. And it makes me wonder because I'm, I, I kind of like the idea of the Big Ten going down to eight conference games just because you are more competitive, I think, for the playoff ultimately by doing that. But... I was like, well, what would stop them? Why wouldn't they want to do that? Until those reports came out about the TV deal, um, which would be helped by having those additional conference games. It's believed that the conference, the big Ten yeah. conference is what is so strong. And that is really propelling that number, that dollar number up so high when it comes to this TV deal. Um, and so I understand it. I don't necessarily love that Um but, but I just it's just going to be difficult for the Pac-12 and the ACC, which are essentially one or two team conferences with not a lot of like huge brand recognition outside of their regions to really be like, yeah, we're kind of still on the same level as the Big Ten. Like, it's just a tough spot for them to be in.
1: Yeah, from uh, on the ACC side of things, I was talking to somebody, there is there is a sense of like they don't want to be viewed as just tagging along with whatever the sec does because if you remember back in in 2020 when we were all trying to figure out what conferences were doing like the acc and and the sec were in lockstep with what they were trying to do and how they were trying to get through the college football season and i I, you know there was there was like it, it was the way that it was phrased was like, they don't want to be viewed as just doing whatever the SEC is doing or just tagging along with the SEC, which also doesn't make a ton of sense to me because if the big fear in the ACC league office is that the SEC is eventually going to try to poach like Clemson and Florida state from you. I feel like you would want to be like on good terms with the SEC so that that wouldn't happen as opposed to aligning with like, you know, their quote unquote rival. in in the big 10, but that's, I mean, that's another thing. And then with the PAC 12, it just kind of seems like they are like, we just need to sit at the cool kids table so that we can, so that people will talk about us. Um, They got a bunch of problems over there. The, this all comes back to Kevin Warren. And that's, that's where I want to go with this next. He's got, he's got the, the 2020 COVID mess the way that the big 10 handled that situation, a complete tire fire of a, of a calendar year that that league office had. And now he's got this and, you know, they've done, you know, I I don't want to minimize like what the Alliance and collaboration between the conferences has done from an off field standpoint, because some of the DEI initiatives that they have implemented have been really good. um, And I don't want to like minimize those, but the Alliance was a football thing. It was announced in response to a football thing. Um, And, and nothing has come of it. And in some of the football instances, he's got a really interesting resume right now after his first few years as the commissioner. And you can look at the, those reports about their next TV deal and this league potentially being a billion dollar league. And you can say, Kevin Warren, gets credit for that. That's what a commissioner is supposed to do. You're supposed to be able to market and sell your league at that top dollar. And if they get close to that valuation, we're talking about annual payouts to the conference membership of like 100 million. That's huge. That's a big deal. That's a win for Kevin Warren if that gets, you know, if if that actually comes. But on the other side of, the, of things, it just looks like there is pettiness about the way the, the SEC was able to get Oklahoma and Texas and that some of that is what's holding up expansion. When you look at all of this, do you feel like Kevin Warren is holding up expansion on his own? Do you feel like Kevin Warren is acting like in a petty manner or do you do you just kind of look at it and be like if you just look at it in in you know with with blinders on and say is this commissioner doing his job which is to operate in the best interest of his conference and his 14 constituents is is he is he doing that job properly or do you think he's just kind of faltering a little bit
0: it's so difficult because the it, it, it can't be minimized that he is seemingly poised to br- make the big 10 a, a billion dollar league. But on the other hand, man, it, there's just a lot of like head scratching or puzzling decisions <laughs> that end up happening or just like bad PR. Like I also kind of generally wonder if we would think differently about Kevin Warren and his role in the big 10, if they were, if he was just better at PR um, and and I, I honestly think that that would help alleviate a lot of the issues. Um, I do think that there's a little bit of pettiness, though, about what happened with uh, the SEC in Oklahoma and Texas, because I feel like right around the time that that was reported, he had some sort of public interview where he was asked about that and said that they were good and that they were like the big 10 was not looking to expand what happened at media days. Okay. That's what it was. It happened at media days. Like he was on, he was at the podium. Talking about that. Yeah. And it, I I remember it coming off to me as if he was kind of caught flat footed by that whole talk and how accelerated it was. Um, And I think that if that is, if that perception is correct, it would then make sense that he's acting a little bit petty uh, about the whole situation, um, but no one is st- like no one was stopping him from also then trying to broker their own like behind the scenes deal with the Big Ten uh, to try to poach a couple of schools either. Um, the problem ended up being is there was there's not really a great natural fit outside of Notre Dame who continues to seem to want to do their own thing uh, for various reasons. So like, I just think that he was stuck on that, but I also think that whatever happens with kevin warren moving forward and even if this ends up if they end up getting this billion dollar contract let's say that that happens right then let's just say for the sake of argument it's disney because that would like kind of disrupt things the most right and i'm kind of in the mode of wanting to disrupt some things so disney gets the big 10 for 100 billion or 100 billion for a billion dollars
1: yeah that'd be big
0: yeah that'd be huge then the Big 10 office led by Kevin Warren needs to go on like an all out PR offensive to be able to say, we've done, look at what we've done right now. They're really good. The one thing with the big 10 under Kevin Warren has been really good about is like kind of those DEI initiatives and all the other stuff behind the scenes that people don't necessarily talk about as much, especially compared to like football and basketball. They done a really good job with that stuff. So I would continue to put that out in front as well but also you would have to just do a just do a better job of getting that good news out there so that when the news eventually drops that it's a billion dollar league people don't say oh well jim delaney was already starting that ball down the track because that's what i see happening anyway yeah
1: yeah 100 percent. there are going to be people that say well that is is jim delaney's deal kevin warren will get credit for the next one which I don't think is, is necessarily fair. I mean, the PR piece of it is a huge issue with him because I was talking to people with, with SEC background who, when we were talking about the 2020 season, they were like, this dude, Kevin Warren, they were talking about Kevin Warren. They said, this dude tried to cancel the football season, tried to legitimately cancel a football season. And I was like, that's the way it looks from the outside. That's the way it looks. But like Michigan's president... Was, was a power player in all of that. And some of the other Big Ten presidents were power players. Like, like Kevin Warren didn't help himself, but he was somewhat beholden to Big Ten league presidents at that time
0: who, yeah, who he really did not want to play football season. Him. Yeah, it was very he did. similar to Roger Goodell and the NFL owners.
1: And to that end, it's kind of what a commissioner is supposed to do, right? So, I mean, but, but, you know, the the piece about expansion, I, I wonder, and this is, you know, someone else said, said this to me recently, shout out Spencer. Um, if the Oklahoma, Texas departure for the SEC news doesn't happen when it happened, would we have already agreed to a new playoff expansion model? Possibly.
0: Possibly. Yeah, that, I do think that that coming down the pipe is, is really is kind of muddying things up. Because it's always just, it, it, and honestly, I don't think about it a lot. And then something will happen and I'll be like, oh yeah, th- those guys are going over there um, whenever they can get there, right? Like if they have yeah. to wait to the end or if they can get there sooner. Um, so yeah, I do think that that plays a factor.
1: And so you brought up a really interesting point with the, you know, like should the Big Ten, should Kevin Warren have looked to try to add some other teams while the SEC was adding Oklahoma and Texas. And there is so much emphasis with the Big Ten, seemingly more than, you know, like anybody else not named the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, um, with making sure that, like, the identities align. The fit is, like, perfect. Like, does Oklahoma fit? the Southeastern conference, Oklahoma is neither in the South nor in the East. They don't, they don't, they don't fit outside of They're a really good football school and going to a really good football conference. Texas is is a little bit different. Like could the big 10 not have just gone and said, like, let's add Iowa state and Oklahoma state. Let's get two really good football. Well, two pretty good football programs to add to our footprint. And then you expand, a, a, a little, you expand the footprint a little bit more, but like, no, Oklahoma State's academic standards don't meet the, the requirements here, and, and they're not up to par, which was part of the problem all those years ago when the Big Ten first tried to add Oklahoma. Oklahoma wanted Oklahoma State to come in a package deal, and the Big Ten said, no, their academic admissions requirements don't, don't meet what we want. What? Why? That, that can't be the way that you operate moving forward. It just can't be the way that you operate
0: moving forward. It's so interesting too, because that is like and I sometimes wonder if people and we we do talk about it, but like I do sometimes wonder if people don't understand like just how entrenched that thinking is within the Big Ten, like just in general um, with its member schools on the academic side and obviously in the Big Ten offices, um, and that that like. I think maybe more maybe more than any other conference, except for maybe the Pac-12, because there's some different schools out there. Like the academic piece of it is really, really important to the Big Ten. And I, I just don't know. I don't know if your average fan cares. Um, well, no, I, they don't. Uh, I shouldn't say I don't know. They, they don't care. Um, but I just wonder like what, at the end of the day, like w- as far as revenue goes for the sports, the academic piece of it doesn't really do all that much um but i understand okay, because they are schools like why you would want that piece to line up uh, but at the same time like D- nebraska for example is not academically on par with most any of the other big 10 schools but does that hurt people's opinion of the big 10 in general academic wise no Like people still know that the Ross School of Business at Michigan, for example, is really, really good. The Kelly School of Business at Indiana is very good. Like people don't like knock the entire Big Ten just because of that. So I just always wonder, like, what is it that you're really getting out of that? Because the grant money doesn't change. Like, it's just weird. Um, Because what it comes off of, speaking of PR, because they don't manage that well, it just comes off of is that they want to thumb their noses up at other schools. Yeah. that's basically what it comes up, comes out as.
1: Yeah, and then you get the response of, "Well, you chose to add Rutgers and Maryland. Those right. schools, those, those those athletic departments suck. Why would you want those?" And it's like, "Well, they helped us from an academic standpoint. They help us from a research standpoint. They help us from a footprint standpoint. We can move into New York, that kind of TV market. Like, explain that a little better, and you're a little better. But also, it can't just be." Notre Dame or nothing.
0: Yeah. They got to figure that out. Like it
1: it can't just be that. They're, they're going to reach a point where it, it has to be like, all right, we got, we got to look at, well, I mean, maybe not, maybe that moment has passed because the big 12 has added a couple of other schools to replace Oklahoma and Texas. And, and seemingly they're strong. And I think I was looking at, I think they would have had, even without Oklahoma and Texas, I think they, if, if the teams that are coming were in the conference right this past season they would have had like four of the top 12 teams in the final AP ranking. I think something absurd like that. So I I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so maybe that moment has already passed for the big 10 and you know, that opportunity is, is no longer there, but if, if there's another one coming down the pipeline in the next five years or so, maybe by 2026, like it, it, like it, there has to be, um, I just feel like there has to be more due diligence into you know what a potential football centric addition would do for the conference because like the other piece of this is now that we have tabled expansion discussions for the foreseeable future there is a scenario where we don't pick them back up there is a scenario where this is now dead because the sec has already said we don't care. We're fine at four. There's so much uncertainty about what is going to happen with the NCAA, with the power structure within college football and co- and, and larger college athletics. Like who's to say that in 2024, 2025, I mean, that's still a long time away. A lot can change. What's to say that the SEC and the Big Ten three years down the road aren't like, we're just going to do our own thing. We're the two best conferences. We got the most money. We're just going to do our own thing. The rest of you can figure it out. And then some of these other conferences are screwed. And like the Pac-12 and the ACC that voted against expansion, they're screwed because they can't play. Like like there's a, there's a scenario where, um, you know, at, at, as it was being presently discussed, it's not coming back you know those models aren't aren't coming back to the negotiating table and you know i think i i just don't think that there was enough urgency from the non big 10 non sec um conferences and commissioners to to get this thing done
0: yeah i i think that that's a really good point then who knows what this is going to look like think about from 2019 until now like or even the you know late 2018 um like A lot has happened, right? A lot has changed in that time. And I do think it needs to at least be in someone's mind as a consideration that that may not, it may not come back around that you end up talking to, because it feels like everyone just, oh, okay, they'll pick it back up in 24. And it will, of course, happen. But that's not necessarily the case. Those larger questions about the power structure and the NCAA as a whole um, are only going to continue to ramp up. Um, and so who knows what it'll look like and and we could see a totally different landscape in the next you know three to four years than what we see right now which could completely alter this discussion
1: yeah i mean if you just look at the lifespan of the college football playoffs so far like washington and michigan state were playoff teams like 2016 20 like a few years ago those were playoff teams mm-hmm. now fast forward to now and it's Alabama and Georgia and Clemson in a good year. And then there's one other spot, like, like things have changed quickly. And, you know, if we continue with a 14 model moving forward and the big 10 gets that massive influx of cash and the sec adds Oklahoma and Texas sooner rather than later, um, the, the, the kind of stratification of the top of college football, it's, it's, I mean, it's only going to get worse. Like, the SEC, uh, I asked Brandon this question on the podcast last week. I was like, um, one of, one of, I can't remember the team that we were talking about, but they had the eighth best recruiting class in the SEC. And it was still a top 20 recruiting class nationally. Like the problems that we see are only going to get worse. Or I, I guess, you know, if you think they're bad or think they are problems, people in the SEC probably don't think they're the problems, but things are only going to further, you know, as we continue doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I don't know who that team was at my guess. My first guess was Arkansas. Um it feels like an Arkansas or Auburn, Auburn situation. Um look
1: this up right now. But
0: part of the issue though too is with the four is there's only room for so many and I get it that there are people out there that kind of like the four that say that you, you know, it should be hard to get into that. Um but if you're almost always going to have two SEC teams in it and your your top big 10 team is always going to be a contender in a normal year. Clemson is a contender. And then we've kind of got the Lincoln Riley led USC team lurking out there. Like, I, <laughs> I just don't understand why if you're those other conferences, why you would not have wanted to go at least to eight. Yeah.
1: Uh, Tennessee was the team. Wow. 17th nationally. Recruiting class eight in the SEC.
0: That's tough, <laughs> man. Just, just really
1: difficult. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, there, I, I mentioned there's optimism about the way the field was selected this past this past cycle. And I would look at Michigan and I would ask, if Michigan doesn't play Ohio State, if they just have average team instead of Ohio State at the end of the year, and then go to the, the Big Ten Championship and whoop up on Iowa. Everything else stays the same. They just play an average team instead of Ohio State. Do they make the college football playoff with the, the resume that they had? No. And the Ohio State win is a big win, but part of it is narrative, especially when you're that big of a program. And so if you look at USC out on the West Coast, 11-1 at USC – gets you in
0: yeah
1: it just gets you in because because it's us 11 and one at usc is different than 11 and one at utah or baylor it just it gets you in and so if you continue to have alabama and georgia if clemson is is good again which (laughs) 10 wins they were bad
0: yeah, I was um, gonna say they were like we were talking about them like they won three games, right.
1: but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh which is which is remarkable. Despite and I the, guess yeah. I guess to to the, you know, whatever. Um a, a one loss USC team gets in. It just gets in. It's just it's just gonna get in. Especially with Lincoln Riley as the coach, it's gonna get in because one loss Oklahoma teams got in. Right. Like the like narrative is a big deal. And so if you've got that one team on the West coast, and then you've got a good Clemson team. Like there are just going to be a bunch of teams that are going to get squeezed out and we're going to continue to have public outcry over, you know, team X deserves it more than team Y. And, you know, to, to some extent um, I think about what happened this past year with the way that the field was selected and everybody talking about, well, does Georgia actually deserve to be in Or are we just like overhyping this Georgia team and then they go and win the national championship. Those are the two best teams in the country. Yeah. Like, yes, they played in the same conference, but those are the two best teams in the country. So, you know, that's a piece of it. I don't know. I just, I just wish that we could get 12. Just, I just wish that we could get people to, to think collectively instead of in, in their own best interests and, and give us a 12 team playoff. So we can have, we can have Georgia play Wisconsin in the dead of winter. (laughs) <laughs> In Madison.
0: That'd be yes, cool. That, that is what we need. I'm sure uh, Wisconsin is very much hoping for that as well.
1: Any other thoughts on the playoff that we didn't hit? Anything else that you want to talk about Nebraska wise that you want to talk about so that we can kind of fill our quota for this Nebraska podcast?
0: um to fill the quota for the nebraska podcast this is going to be a much more interesting spring than i ever would have thought at the end of that iowa game um i thought that it would be like borderline depressing it it is actually really um storyline filled right now um and so that's good i'm looking forward to the coverage and providing coverage of that uh because boy it could have been very ugly you're drinking the kool-aid man Oh, I'm not. I didn't. No, no, no. I said storylines. I didn't. You're, drinking the, Did You're I, drinking the Kool-Aid. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. No, 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 no. You do not accuse me of that. I <laughs> said storylines, meaning we just got stuff to talk about. Not that they're actually going to be good because I have no idea how this is going to actually come together. Like, I really think at some point we're going to have to kind of talk about this. That when you add basically like 30 players to the roster and change half of your um, coaching staff, that that just really isn't a recipe for you to have success that's almost that's too much change and how you can navigate that with the head coach that kind of has issues communicating is going to be kind of interesting well
1: mel tucker says what up first of all it, but but the comment about um the head coach spot is is apt uh scott frost is not mel tucker um which is not to talk about you know Talent level, or coaching ability, or anything—just It's just talk about like personality. It's a
0: different, yeah. It's just a different yeah. personality.
1: Yeah, the way that they approach things. I think. Um, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're all in, all in. Also, <laughs> there, there, Nebraska football is never lacking for storylines. There's always interesting Actually, stuff to talk about with Nebraska football.
0: That is true. I'll give. I'll give you that. I'll
1: they will always that. find a way to push their way into the conversation. Always, Greg, you got a podcast? Plug it.
0: Oh, yeah, the, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast with yours truly. Uh, this week I had Aaron Sorensen on. Uh, you can find – we talked about the Olympics and basically how uh, we both did not uh, watch nearly as much Olympics this year and and the multitude of reasons why. You can find that uh, wherever you can get your podcast. Uh, it is a very good podcast, if I do say so myself.
1: Wasn't, wasn't this, like, one of the least-watched Olympic games ever?
0: I, think I didn't it watch was any the, of it. Yeah, I think it was the – because um, she actually cited the stat i think it was right it finished with lower than tokyo did um and part of that might actually be because like you can this was the first year that you could watch it like on peacock and stuff like that and watch it live if you really wanted to um but still i think there's a lot of reasons so you, but you didn't watch it at all well i said that i watched um snowboarding for okay, sean white for, for Sean, did you watch chloe kim No. Okay. Well, both of them were cool. <laughs> they I mean cool. it was just
1: like it was it was always in weird times, and and there was always other stuff going on, and like I chose college basketball over the Olympics. I just
0: I just don't happened. think that people like I think it's just different. Like the days of like NBC hoping that people wait around to prime time to check this stuff out and see like Mike Tirico and now like Maria Taylor and the, and the other people. Like I just think that that's I just think that people's viewing habits have changed. Plus, just have to go on the soapbox again um, on the network, but I also think that they need to do a much better job of leaning into being able to share clips on social media like the olympics really would lend itself to sharing like if you you see like sean white do a crazy trick like i should be able to see that all over the place on social instead of them trying to scrub it from the earth like it's just weird
1: yeah i no sports league should try to scrub Uh, highlights for the it's dumb the uh international soccer does that which pisses me off um but part of the part of it too with me also is that i'll like turn on figure skating and i'll and i'll be like wow oh my gosh this is insane these are these are like some of the most incredible athletes that i've ever seen and then the commentator will be like that was the worst (laughs) move i have ever seen in my entire life they technique is terrible they're trash
0: like they're not gonna score yeah
1: and i'm and i'm like
0: i don't understand this sport at all
1: it looks good. Congrats, you look good. To my that's, dumb eye, you look good.
0: I think that's actually part of the issue with the uh, Winter Olympics versus the Summer Olympics. I think that the Winter Olympics is less accessible to people to just watch to see and figure out actually what's going on. I think that's yeah. another issue.
1: So, well, uh, for more Olympic discussion, go listen to the Straight Up Breakdown podcast with Greg Smith. It's really good. Also, give that podcast um a five star review. Subscribe to it. Leave a rating. It's really good. Do that for all the hill varsity podcasts including this one we are a proud part of the herd at media network so shouts to cam for producing this episode every week shouts to you guys for listening uh go get your nebraska fix at hill backslash subscribe you can read all of greg smith's work you can get the magazine it's an excellent deal and keep listening to this podcast we'll be back next week thanks guys
0: That Media Production.